Hey everyone, I'm Beth. And I'm Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. And we're here to help you to understand yourselves with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. And if you didn't know, we're on YouTube, so you can head over there, watch this podcast, and definitely like and subscribe so you don't miss anything new. Well, today we're going to be talking about the Type 8 swing. Uh, which are seven and nine. If the concept of wings is new to you, we suggest going back to episode 160, where we explain Enneagram wings in more detail. But essentially, wings are the two types directly next to your main type on the Enneagram symbol. So, for example, I'm a six, and so my wings are five and seven, and Beth here is a type nine, and so her wings are type eight and one. Yeah, exactly. So today we get the privilege of having two guests that are both type eights, and we get to hear about their seven wing and their nine wing. But don't forget that it's their main type that is the driving force behind their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors based on their core motivations, which is their core fear, desire, weakness, and longing. But the wings play a significant role because they have their own perspective from their core motivations. And so they see and interpret the world in their own way. And they want to influence your main type to see it their way and do it their way. And so today we get to talk about how these wings do influence us both in healthy and unhealthy ways. Well, and because we actually have relationships with these two parts of our life and they show up in small ways as well as big ways. And so we'll be referring to wings as parts of us, which we discuss more in our newest book, More Than Your Number. You'll want to check it out uh, because it's going to go deep into understanding wings and how they play a role in our lives particularly expressed through the lens of our main type. Now, talking about your wings as parts might seem a little strange at first, but uh, we actually already speak this way without even realizing it. Uh, When we're talking with others, we can feel pulled in different directions in our thoughts and our feelings and behaviors. So you may say things like, well, a part of me wants to do this, a part of me wants to do this, part of me feels this way, but a part of me feels this way. Mm -hmm. Or if you've been married longer than a honeymoon, how you can (laughs) feel both love and anger for your spouse (laughs) all at one time. What? I've never been angry with you. I mean, how could you ever be angry with a nine? How could you? Right. Because they never do anything wrong. Right. And they're the sweetest things. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, until they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? But remember this, that both our main type is driven by our core motivations and these wings bring their own perspectives through the lens of their core motivations that can actually bring up contradicting thoughts and uh, feelings. Mm -hmm. So as we talk about type eight's wings with our guests, who we're going to introduce here in a minute, but keep in mind that they always remain a type eight with mm-hmm. the core motivations of a type eight, and that's going to be leading the way. But what you'll hear today is how in certain situations or in relationships, their nine wing and their seven wing parts will show up and influence their thoughts and behaviors in both healthy and unhealthy way. Yeah, that's right. So uh, but before we introduce our guest, I just want to paint a picture of the type eights for those that either aren't familiar or you just need a refresher. Our type eights, we call them the passionate protectors. They are confident, decisive, and assertive leaders. They are powerful change agents, and especially when they're seeking justice or the protection of others. Now, if you have an eight in your life, you're going to know because you're going to feel the protection that they offer uh, to those that are marginalized, the underdogs, those who are um, at the mercy of injustice. And they want to empower those that they know have so much to offer the world. 
Now, of course, eights don't always focus on others. And what you'll notice is they have intense emotions and an intense drive to protect themselves from betrayal, powerlessness, and being blindsided. And they always have usually this strong exterior for others to see because they're trying to minimize their vulnerability in the front of others. Um, now, they fear being weak and vulnerable, but what you can see that comes outward from that is times of being maybe too blunt, confrontational, insensitive, domineering, cynical, and even vengeful. Now, all of these attributes, the healthy and all the way to the unhealthy, stem from their core motivations. So for them, their core fear is the fear of being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. Now, they desire to protect themselves and those in their small inner circle. Now, they have a core weakness of lust or excess, and this is where they're constantly desiring intensity and control, power, pushing themselves willfully in life and even through people to get what they want. Now, their core longing is to hear, you will not be betrayed. So you can think of eights, this is my favorite analogy, as those big, strong diesel snowplows up in the north um, that we're accustomed to. Or if you're, if you're not and you're down in the south, you know what I'm talking about when you look at uh, the weather channel. We absolutely need these big diesel snowplows when there's a foot of snow on the highway or any road for that matter. You can't just get out there with a little shovel. We need these powerful change agents to plow a path for us. It is inspiring to watch an eight do what they are made to do. And that is to take on the hits and to plow a path for others. So when they're at their healthiest, that is exactly what they're doing. They're plowing a path for us. So our guests today are Stacy and Wilson. Uh, uh, yeah, Wilson. Sorry, I'll put another syllable in your name. Um, <laughs> who are both certified Enneagram coaches here at Your Enneagram Coach. And you can find them both in our uh, coaches directory by going to myenneagramcoach.com. So Stacy, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hey, I, I'm really appreciative to be here. So thank you for the invitation. I, I told my husband, I get to be on a podcast with some kind of famous people. Oh, so that's, that's, that's how I see you guys. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, well, we, yeah. we appreciate it, but we we don't necessarily we, feel We're just Beth and way. Jeff. You just yeah, Beth and like Jeff. We, We've yeah. been working at home as empty nesters, and yep. we came up to the studio to record a pilot. Yeah, Very perfect. Life. It, takes <laughs> the pres- it takes the pressure off, right? Um, so, yes, I am a certified Enneagram coach and also a high sc- an online high school principal and English teacher. Ooh, um, So I will try to not silently correct your grammar throughout the podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't do that. Oh, that <laughs> so Maybe awesome. silently, though. Maybe in your mind. It's true. <laughs> I've been called a grammar Nazi more than one time. Uh-huh. Um, and I, ha- we have two adult children. Um, one's a teacher, okay. um, like me and the other one is working in the fashion industry, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And some fun facts about me. I, we oversee a school in Uganda, mm-hmm. um, that we're highly involved in. And, um, another fun fact, I take cold plunges every morning for five minutes and I've last few days have been having to chip it, chip it, chip through the ice with a hammer. Yeah, that's right, because you're actually in Canada, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. We're in British Columbia um, in a little mountain town. We've lived here for a long time. Just really love it. I'm looking out at at my view right now, and there's trees and the glacier and lake. It's just gorgeous. Now, Beth, you you try the cold shower, not a plunge. No, not a plunge. (laughs) But you were just talking about this the other day. Like, you can can only endure. Yeah. 
I think maybe 30 seconds so far. (laughs) You have to build up my way up. Yeah. Yeah. But five minutes. Yeah. So, you know, what? She's an eight too. So she's just getting at it. You know, it's interesting. I, I recall now, I think there were seasons. So I was an athlete in college mm-hmm. and I had injured my back lifting weights too early. And actually I was in middle school and it plagued me throughout yeah, that's right. uh, college. And But every once in a while I would jump in one of those kind of jet pool things, and but it would be filled with ice. Mm-hmm. And that's like, exactly it. Yep. Like if you can get through the initial pain, like you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't. And it's What's the really, limit? It's really by good By the way, Stacy. Uh, the limit is hypothermia, which I feel like. <laughs> which, <laughs> don't want to go there. <laughs> they say it can go over like, like t- two, two to six minutes. And mm-hmm. so five minutes when the when the water temperature is, you know, 31 degrees, I think. Um, five minutes, okay. it, it gets a little painful. And you just, yeah. It, you, if you start with, they with something hard, then the rest yeah. of it is you know, oh, yeah. that, that's such an eight. Well, and it really I know it's, it's, it's totally an eight practice too, for sure. Start off hard. As a nine, I'm like, I can't wait to get to my coffee and to get in my cozy, comfy chair and in the morning. Blanket. But hey, I am doing the 30 seconds of really cold shower. So hey, I'm starting somewhere. Well, that's right. You are I'm starting somewhere. And Beth, Beth, I do have to say after I get out, the the next best part of my day is putting on a robe and getting my coffee, and I just sit in front of the heater. There you go. You know, for there ten minutes. So bring it in a little bit. That I've got I've got the seven you. and the nine wing happening yeah. with yeah. the cold plunges. Oh. oh, that's awesome! I love that. Well, Wilson's our other guest. Wilson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, kia ora, Beth, Jeff, and Stacy. Oh, it's an honor and privilege to be here. Um, yeah, and to our Enneagram family and listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. Um, my name is Wilson. I'm from Cantonese and Hokkien descent, so I'm part of what people call the Chinese diaspora. I'm born and bred in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm also married to Esther, who's from Dutch, Polish, and English descent. And we have wow. a one-year-old called Malachi. Um, and I'm currently training for ordination under Te Hahi Mihinare, which is also known as the Tikanga Māori Anglican Church, which is an indigenous expression of the um, what you guys call the Episcopal church something like that so yeah we're getting ordained um next sunday as deacons which is really exciting and i have a background wow. in youth ministry and community development and the enneagram has been a great tool for ministry and discipleship so yeah i'm a eight with a dominant seven wing and a sexual type so yeah it's my privilege and honor to be here to chat about um the enneagram and on the topic of wings yeah oh, i'm so glad that you're joining us wilson now tell us too uh how long has it you've been working on this ordination um, probably about, oh, about two and a half years, three years, maybe. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, so it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, uh, congratulations. And, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure your community's thrilled to have you guys around and, mm-hmm. and taking this next step in your calling. That's, uh, that's super fun, but, um, yeah, yeah we hope so too. Pastor friend today <laughs> <laughs> about just living in life in ministry and yeah. uh, life in the local church. So. It's yeah. a real gift. Well, uh, as, we're going to jump into wings today, and it's very common for people to talk about uh, their dominant wing, which is the wing that they most notice and use most often. And many out there believe that they only have one wing, but that's actually not the case. Uh, it's not that it's they don't have two or, or they only have one, but rather it's just one maybe not show up as much. 
And just as a bird has two wings, so do all of we. Every number has two numbers next to it. So today we're going to be talking about both wings and why it's important to be aware of them both, particularly for the type 8. It's the type 7 and type 9 parts that play a significant role in their lives. And when we discuss each, each wing, let us know if one's more dominant than the other. And so we'll talk through that as well. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to dive in with um, your type 7 wing first. And again, we want to paint the picture of the 7 to see why it would be influencing you in a certain way. So the type 7's core fear is being deprived, uh, trapped in emotional pain, limited, bored, missing out on something fun. And it desires to be happy, fully satisfied, and content. So what you're going to notice with this part is that it's very excitable. It's spontaneous. It gets distracted easily. It can be impatient. Um, it can be very sociable and outgoing. Um, and it's always anticipating future events, like what's the next fun thing? What's the next stimulation I can have? Um, what are the possibilities that I might be missing and what can I go for? And it supports your main type by really wooing others to you. Sevens are incredible networkers and connectors. They also have quick minds and they're very confident and passionate about what they want. And they they go after it, which is very similar to an eight as well. And so when you've got the seven and the eight going at the same time, it is a force for sure. Like they both want what they want and they're going to get it. Um, and so it's it's good to understand how that seven can influence the eight. Now, the seven wing also, you'll experience moments when they're really healthy and from the healthy part of the seven is the seven's going to give the eight this abundance of radiance, grace, joy. Um, they're going to be able to be more vulnerable from this positive, optimistic heart that trusts others. Um, it will be joyful, spontaneous, playful. Um, it will be able to also make the impossible possible. Uh, sevens really, it's interesting is when we talk to threes, you know, they're really fearful of failure. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to a seven, they're like, failure, what is that? It's just a new opportunity. And so they love to reframe the things that seem impossible or things that can't be fixed. They're like, yeah, we can fix it. And so that's something that the seven can also bring to the eight. So there's this enthusiasm, there's this confidence that radiates from sevens, and they're very encouraging as well. So uh, Stacy, let's start with you, and then Wilson will have you chime in. But how do these healthy qualities of the type seven uh, support you as an eight? When do they show up and what does it look like? Because it's a blend of the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they can look a lot like each other sometimes, actually. Um, mm -hmm. It shows up for me... Um, with the time orientation, for sure. Looking forward, what's the next thing I'm looking forward to? Um, mm -hmm. What's next, whether it's an adventure or just a trip or seeing someone that I, that I, you know, haven't seen for a while, I'm constantly thinking ahead all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. Which can get me in trouble sometimes too. Um, the other thing, seven is not my dominant wing. So okay. I see it showing up in, um, my ability to push myself in in hard things and not really think that it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the right. ace denial piece as well. It's like, well, what do you mean failure? Mm -hmm. Everything is going to be fine. I, you know, I'm prepared and, and yeah. I'm doing it. Um, I can turn on my seven wing. I have to actually in social situations because I'm actually extremely introverted as an eight. Um, mm -hmm. And so my seven wing is the only reason I have it. 
<laughs> I'm curious to see what what that show up like whenever you have to turn that on. It's it's exhausting, mm. um, <laughs> but but people tell me you're not you're not an introvert. There's there's yeah, no way, right? And so yes. I can I can and and I know I'm doing that. I'm like seven. You got to kick in for the yep. next two hours. Um, but it is very tiring because it doesn't come as naturally as using my nine wing, which would rather be home, you know, watching Netflix under a blanket. Mm, right. Um, well, so, and I think that's interesting. That's, that's a really fascinating thing to point out because I think a lot of people think an introvert is just a quiet person, you know? So then when they see you maybe more sociable and bring a little bit of that seven energy, they're like, well, you can't be an introvert. And it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with how you... Um, get energy and you get energy by being alone and um, recharging without interacting with others. The extroverts out there are, are charging with others. And so I think that's a great distinction. Uh, a lot of people can get confused. Well, another fun thing that we've come to understand when thinking about these uh, different connecting types as parts of us is that other people have relationships to these parts of us. So hmm. there are people who say to you like, well, you can't be an introvert because my only experience of you mm-hmm. is to be this very energetic, outgoing, adventuresome person. Um, but does your family or your friends have a nickname for this part of you? No, not that I no. know of. <laughs> Maybe so, they like, do, but they haven't told me. <laughs> yeah, but like we've talked to one person, like there's like vacation mom or vacation oh, dad. Yeah. That like they just another side. Like what, when was it that your your spouse started to notice, oh, wow, she can turn on this other part of her personality whenever we're in public versus when maybe it's just the two of us at home? Yeah, well, he he's a pretty strong five with a capital five and also <laughs> introverted. <laughs> So, so, um, he, I, I'm just thinking of social situations where he has said, okay, you need to, you need to turn it on and (laughs) he'll use those words. And now I understand that's, I I have language for that. Like, okay, seven, here we go. Mm -hmm. Um, have you ever had a seven part of your heart? I just call it seven for now. Yeah. And thinking well, a lot, such a great a name, lot about right? that. Yeah. I, I, wasn't that in, uh, no, that was 11. I was thinking yeah. of uh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yeah. yeah. 11. But seven, <laughs> I mean, if you're an Enneagram person, you know exactly what you yeah. mean when you yeah. say like, that. Hey, seven. Yeah, so <laughs> a, a good example or a good story to outline that is when we we did this big project for um, our school in Uganda and we rode our bicycles around the country for 50 days. And mm. he said, your job, if we have a mechanical or when we stop, is to engage with the people. And I will mm. fix the bikes and do whatever here, but you need to keep them away from me kind of c- kind of idea, not mm-hmm. in a mean way, but mm-hmm. like you engage and do the social stuff and I'll do the mechanical stuff. And it was um, it was tough. <laughs> We're tired every day because it's a very yeah. extroverted culture. Okay, and to yeah. just engage with people all day and wave and be the center of attention was was really mm-hmm. difficult. But no, I so relied so you, on my sevens a, for that. A whole nother thing to uh, bringing this in the context of marriage. Mm. So. Your five spouse really relies on your seven wing to pick up the social responsibilities. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. 
Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yes and no, because Jeff, let me tell you, there have been many a time we'll come home and because eights are not really aware of how we come off to people a lot of the Uh time, he will say, did you notice that when you said this, that this happened? Or when someone was telling me something, they actually meant this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, Uh oh my gosh, do I need to call them and apologize? You know, so he helps me with the eight part that is, yeah. That's best in the social situation. Um, but I, as I far as... But not in yeah. the moment, but not after the, the moment. moment. Yeah, after the moment. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, the kick under no the table... happening in the moment. The right. kick under yeah. the table is, is an indication. <laughs> yeah, you mean, not on a podcast where the six is being silly and the nine's like, be appropriate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Give them the look. Yeah. Oh, man, the look. Yeah, we, ha- we do have a look. The table. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Wilson, tell us about uh, the healthy aspects of your seven wing. Because you use seven more often, right? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, it's my dominant wing. I guess um, in everyday moments and just kind of the normality of things. um, And in social settings, I'm I'm usually stirring the pot, pushing people's buttons, winding people up, um, you know, just to create some fun, some cheekiness and just to test intimacy. And this is with Uh like both deep relationships and strangers. And my humor's a bit on the edge. It's sometimes dark, pushing the boundaries, and by some, inappropriate. Like one time in high school in class, I was playing with a ball. And the teacher told me to put my ball on the ground, so I moved from the table to the ground. Then she goes, Wilson, what are you doing? And I replied, you told me to put my balls on the ground. So just that sort of humor. Um, but usually people say... Well, so that's a first on the <laughs> Urinagram Coach podcast. Oh, good job. You tested yeah. the boundaries. Yeah. Staring so, at this, this is a perfect example of an eight with a seven wing. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. So usually people say, you know, I'm the life of the party, but I don't really see it. Or when they see me on the guest list, they know it's going to be a good time. But I think yeah. the insight behind it is that in stirring the pot to create fun, um, as a seven with a dominant seven, or as an eight with a dominant seven wing, it's the fastest way we know um, whether we can trust the group or individual by their response. It's the way we mm-hmm. see, you know, whether, um, you know, what, what mm-hmm. are their true colors and what's behind their mm-hmm. mask simply by their response to the humor. And it gives us yeah. clarity about the group and their individual character, um, theology, mm-hmm. and also political views. And it shows us, you know, like, will we find common ground or mission with this person? Um, and we know so much by, about a person um, just simply by their response to edgy dark boundary pushing, sometimes inappropriate humor. And it's, yeah. you know, our, our humor, and that's how we kind of gauge people, I think. Um, but at our best, I think 
usually it's in conversation with individuals, um, you know, deep relationships or with strangers. And we're just learning about people, you know, where they're from, who they are, what's their story, when they met Jesus, yeah. what are their dreams, what's their calling. And I, I get Super pretty curious, excited. right? Yeah, I get excited and passionate. But I think it's it's my subtype of being a sexual eight. Um, mm. And at my best, you know, like it's actually pushing individuals to take the next step um, from where they are um, to where they want to be. It's kind of like um, I see my role as being like a guide, like Yoda guiding Luke <laughs> Skywalker. And enabling people to take, you know, the next step, um, to take a risk, just to initiate something, to write a new chapter or resolve like a conflict or a crisis. And usually in those conversations, it's a brainstorm, it's naming their tools, um, creating strategies or connecting them up with the right person or community. And often weeks, months or years later, you know, when we bump into each other, um, they often say, you know, I took that leap and now I'm in this new chapter or mm. new vocation. Um, or they say, I really wrestled with what you said. Um, can we have another conversation? Because I need to get my ass into gear. Um, and yeah, I think at its best, it's often because eights with dominant seven wings, it's normal and natural to take wings, or to take risks, sorry. And also, like we said before, you know, we believe that failure isn't fatal. And um, sometimes people, um, sometimes seeing is believing. And people know that about us, that, you know, we take risk and we're not afraid to fail. So often those conversations, it's about how do we take risk or how do we learn to take yeah. risk? And they come just to have a chat, just to get that simple push and nudge. Um, and the hope is that, you know, us eights with seven wings, you know, we've got some sort of wisdom or practical advice to offer or simply just being a person in their corner. And sometimes it's like resources and cash, um, even the Enneagram or even our networks. And I think it's because deep down we love going for the underdog. And I think that's the real gift of being an eight with a dominant seven wing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I love what you're saying there because eights really have this instinctual knowing of what others' gifts and talents and abilities are, even if the other person can't see it. And basically calling them out and putting them on the right seat of the bus. But then like what you're saying with the seven there, it's it brings this excitement, enthusiasm, enthusiasm and encouragement as well but it also brings in that networking component like hey i might not be able to help you but i know this other person and i want you to connect you with them and so mm, it's this eight that is plowing a path for other with forward thinking movement um, and encouragement so i love exactly what you're painting that that picture you're painting no stacy uh while wilson was sharing you laughed a little bit uh <laughs> what was it do you remember what you're laughing about <laughs> I will do exactly that same thing. I'm going to find out right away by, you know, and in Christian circles, it doesn't take much to offend people. <laughs> you know, just drop something and see who picks it up and see who, mm. leave, you know, like, again, so like funny. the inappropriate humor. You know, whenever I'm on a podcast, I'm just like, so you're going to edit this, right? Because you're having eights on there and you never know what's going to come out. <laughs> um, so I was just laughing at the familiarity of that. I, it's a good tactic. I'm guilty of using that. Yeah. 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 Sixes can do it too, especially counterphobic sixes. Oh, sure. Because they're, they're testing loyalty and, mm -hmm. you know, yes. what, can, I, can I trust you? I call that part of myself El Macordo. Uh, it was a nickname <laughs> given to me. So there's a little bit of a joke because I, I was adopted into a Scottish family who were white, but uh, I was actually, my biologically, my mother was Mexican, my father was a uh, Native American. Hmm. And so my friends, whenever I'd get going as a pastor and say something provocative uh, in a small group or in a sermon, 
they said, oh, it's El Macordo, kind mm-hmm. of combining Scottish. And, That's your seven uh, part. And Spanish. And so, but Beth calls like, oh, El Macordo's in the house tonight, huh? So right, yes. <laughs> he's, he's, party time. He is. <laughs> Life of the party for and sure. And I would associate that with my seven week. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, all the parts of our hearts can show up in healthy and unhealthy ways. And as we talk about the wing seven's unhealthy characteristics, it's important to keep in mind that this part has good intentions and it's trying to help. Even though it may be misaligned and it's may be inappropriate in its methods, the goal is for your good and welfare. Now, your seven wing can distract you from life's difficulties by could be spending money on fun or exciting uh, escape hatches or other unhealthy indulgences. It can make you believe that you are the only one who's strong enough, passionate enough, and able to carry others through life's challenges. Uh, You may make big promises and exaggerate what's possible to convince others to follow your lead, and you can be impatient, impulsive, and demanding and express what you want with little regard for how it affects others. Because sevens struggle with uh, anxiety, your seven wing can show up as restlessness, overthinking, shortness of breath, or even tension in your chest. So we'll start back with you, Stacy. How does your seven wing show up in unhealthy ways? I interrupt people when they're talking on a regular basis. And okay. I hate it. I hate that about myself. I think I read something about sevens and it's resonated with sevens that I've coached is that you assume you know what they're going to say. Mm. Um, and so you just kind of stop listening. Yeah. I, I'm catching myself doing that more and more often. I'm trying to... Because sevens and eights time orientation are both future, Mm. I'm halfway out the door before they finish their sentence because they've asked me to do something. Mm -hmm. And so it it is a problem in every area (laughs) of my life. And I'm really, but I'm really becoming more aware of it. And I just have to like almost sit on my hands, so to speak, before my my body just wants to move and jump into action. Um, So that what I- It's interesting, Stacey, your disposition changed. Um, whereas when we were talking about the healthy parts of it, and this really illustrates the relationship we have to these parts, but it, my sense is you carry a lot of sadness about this part of you. It causes so much problem. Like it causes mm-hmm. so many problems. And I, yeah. because it's kind of a double whammy with seven and eight and, you know, both on the move all the time and the confidence level. I am just, I, I have a hard time living in the present. I'm, I'm thinking, what do I have to do? And even when the person's talking, like I said, I'm thinking, what am I going to do about this? And so you kind of stop listening. So I've been trying mm-hmm. to practice just not even looking around, just looking right at the person and just, oh, it's excruciating sometimes to just focus and be a better listener because people have said I'm a really good listener, but I know I know the truth of that is I, I have a long ways to go in the listening. And even yeah. in coaching, I have to I have to watch how much I want to teach and guide mm, as yeah. opposed to sit and listen. So I've been listening mm. to some of the podcasts on the listening skills and trying to hone those in a little bit. Yeah. Right. Now, Stacey, have anyone ever reflected back to you? Because the eight with a seven wing, it, it, there's a lot of energy there. I, I mean, I wonder if there's a more energetic no there's <laughs> no. not combination not well, i mean like two. a seven a seven with an a wing yeah but those the, but, that combination is but has have you ever felt about yourself or have someone ever said to you that you're too much 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just this morning. <laughs> and I thought it might be the case, but I didn't realize yeah. it was, oh, no, that's just the water I swim in, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's only in, in reference to, it's not, obviously, it's not in, in reference to emotions um, other than yeah. maybe anger, but um, definitely speed, energy, living, you know, being married to a five for so long, we've been married for 33 years, um, our he has access to eight and I can see a lot of eight in him and he doesn't mm -hmm. resemble yeah. a typical five in that he is very aware of his body. He's very athletic and all of those things. But he on a regular basis will say, you need, can you just slow down? You're going too fast. Like the, yeah. your, your energy is just too much. And mm -hmm. I look at him and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm just yeah. trying to help or mm -hmm. so we really aren't aware of that bigness, I think sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting, Wilson, you earlier had commented on how you can, the seven part of you combined with the eight energy can bring out something great in people. Mm -hmm. But that can also at times be pushy and maybe insertive of like, hey, I didn't want to get on the boat with you, but you're like taking me along the, the path now. I, I was, how does your seven wing show up maybe in unhealthy ways? Well, first I just want to say I think women eights definitely have it way harder than men who are eights, and it's not my mm -hmm. place to offer reflection on that or to go deeper on that. But often at my worst, I'm always go, 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 go. I'm always running, focused on the task. Um, and also, like, if I don't, I can feel things just, like, um, I guess stir in my gut. And, mm -hmm. like, I think it's the feeling of futility, like nothing's happening. Um, why, like, is this wasting my time? And mm -hmm. yeah, but definitely at my worst, um, whenever someone has conflict with me or my mates, um, or it's a perceived threat to it um, by myself to um, to me or one of my mates, at my worst, I engage quite aggressively. And also, I've had many physical altercations as well. And of course, mm -hmm. before meeting Jesus, you know, and mm -hmm. maybe a couple after following him, but. In those moments, like the first thing that goes through my mind is like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like getting punched? Like, what's the worst? Like, I'm not made from glass. Um, however, um, I what, love that mindset. Like, what's the worst? You're going to get hit. What's the worst that like, can happen? Yeah, so what's the first the time you've gotten hit? <laughs> yeah. So I think eight males often get hit all the time. Like, um, yeah. So, but what what would surprise people more is that there've been many there've been actually more people who've backed down and avoid physical altercations of me because I've got on their faces. Um, mm -hmm. But that's because as eights, we believe the best defense is actually a better offense and, and making sure that the score is settled. Um, but I think the insight behind that is that we're not afraid of conflict, especially when it's about protecting our vulnerable selves or our mates. And by default, mm -hmm. we just charge into conflict, ready to take the person down. And we will put our money where our mouth is. Um, but the interesting thing is that this really energizes us when we do that, when we protect the people that we love or put our money where our mouth is. And yeah. just the final note that I'm so glad that Jesus has transformed me with his nonviolent ways and learning mm. that violence will only create violence. And, you know, love is never violent. Um, and a great book called Conflict by a lady called Joyce Huggett has, has actually taught me um, how to access, manage and engage with conflict. And it's been a helpful tool for me. Um, and it's taught me heaps about conflict. Yeah. What was that book that you read? Um, it had a really weird oh, title. Oh, I forgot the gentleman's name, but it sold millions of copies. It's called 
nonviolent communication. Mm. I mean, it sounds like a massive top. <laughs> it's such a heavy title, but the book's not that way. It's a relatively small book, but it and it's only articulate like what it what did I perceive that happened? Uh, what do I feel? How did it impact me? What do I need? And then asking a person um, to change. So, but it it has such a provocative title, nonviolent communication. <laughs> but it was very helpful, not sure. just for you, but then it kind of bled into the family where we were able to have better ways of communicating with one another. Well, I, I mean, we, I, I wanted to try it, but probably not at the best time. Yeah, We'd so, gone on a family cruise together. Yeah, we went on a family cruise. Like <laughs> the, fir- the first day he's like, and, and, and mind you, these were like our grown children at the time. They, I mean, they were like 18 and 16, but they were adult-sized people, and we were all in one room. Oh, gosh. And he's like, hey, let's try this. No, no, it's not let's <laughs> try it. It's that I'm reading a book, and I'm going to try and implement that yeah. while we're living <laughs> in a closet together on a boat. Yeah, it feels like it sure. The, the rest of us just laughed at him and like, and like yeah, sure. Day two, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this later on. This isn't working. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well... Well, thank you, Wilson. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we're so grateful for Stacy and Wilson who've joined us today. Uh, so thank you both for coming and just sharing about your life. It means so much to us and to our audience and specifically to our types out, eights out there and the people who love the eights that are in their life. And so, uh, Stacy, can you tell us uh, where people might be able to find out more about you and uh, your coaching services? Yeah, I have. Uh, you can find me on the Enneagram Coach, Coaches Network. So through your yep. through your website. And then my own website is freshtrucksenneagram.com. And my Instagram is at freshtrucksenneagram. Awesome. Great. That's yeah. fantastic. And Wilson, what about you? I used to have Instagram and a website. However, since I've been training for automation, I've um, stopped that. But if you want to message me, um, I'm pretty reachable on Facebook. So just search Wilson Chan. And yeah, um, if you've got a question or want to connect, I'm, I'm up for it. And um, yeah, we can, oh, if it's, um, I guess, international, I was going to say, let's grab a coffee, but I'll grab a coffee <laughs> on my end, you grab a coffee on your end. <laughs> well, we do have we do have lots of people in New Zealand that listen in, and we have lots of, uh, or several, New Zealand uh, coaches um, mm. as well. So that might even be really fun. To- yeah, for our remote team, we have coffee and connection once a month, mm-hmm. where bring your favorite morning drink, and we're just going to sit around and tell stories. This oh, morning, Brazil? it was highs and lows of the month of January. It's true. Just nice. connecting with one another. So, Well, remember, if you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram, you can visit us at yourenneagramcoach.com. And if you're ready to take a step further with personalized Enneagram coaching, uh, like with Stacy and Wilson, then you can head over to myenneagramcoach.com where you can find uh, incredible certified coaches around the globe. And if you're like me and Stacy and Wilson and you've experienced incredible transformation using the Enneagram and you want to pay it forward, then our certification program, Become an Enneagram Coach, is going to be right for you. And to learn more, all you got to do is go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash BEC, and our team will love to walk you uh, each step of the way through that process. Now, always remember, the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for tuning in, and the next time, we'll talk about Type 9s and their wings.